Well, I'm not accustomed to being up here. And you're not accustomed to seeing me. Shane and his family are out in California. And we're glad that they're there and have a time of reunion. And you're not used to seeing the pulpit up so high, but we have a children's choir singing the second service, so they decided to do this this way. But I enjoy the privilege once in a while of preaching and, of course, every Sunday of teaching in my Sunday school class. A billboard sign I saw on I-69 as I came down from Marshall a couple weeks ago, um, advertising a popular fast food restaurant said, I'm loving it. And overheard at a party, don't you just love those brownies? We say we love music. We love our pets. We love our children, our spouses, our favorite foods. We love people who are attractive, who make us excited and happy and we enjoy being with. We fall in love and we fall out of love. Love, 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 love. Love today, that word, has many meanings in many different contexts, doesn't it? And can be very confusing. I imagine someone coming from another language, another culture, hearing us talk all these ways about love might be very confused. So in the next few minutes, let's take a a look, a fresh look at love, especially biblically considered. Our English language has only one word, love. Uh, the New Testament Greek uses three words. There are three Greek words, eros, phileo, and agape. Eros is a physical love. It's like romantic love, sexual love, possessing love. Phileo is brotherly love and enjoys friendship with others, like the city name Philadelphia comes from that. Agape is God's love or God-like love. This agape is the main, main Greek word used in the Bible for love, agape. So let's go to uh, John 4, 7 and 12, to 12 to discover more about this kind of love. John wrote, Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only Son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Well, if we look at this, remember that John the Apostle is writing about God's kind of love. Let's consider what God is showing us about godly love. Oh, he says we are supposed to love each other. Why and how? 
Why? Because God, because love comes from God. God is the source of this kind of love. Only those who know God and have been born of God can love with this kind of love. Why? Because God is love. Now, it's not the same thing to say that God is loving. He is loving. But if you say he is love, that's a little different. If you say he's loving, it means that he's like love as a standard out here apart from God somewhere. But if you say he is love, then God is the standard. He is the love that we're talking about. One commentator has written, It is only by knowing God that we learn to love. And it is only by loving that we learn to know God. It's like a circle, isn't it? It is when God lives within our heart that we learn to love, and when we love, we come closer and closer to God. Love comes from God, and love leads to God. God showed his love among us, of course, the most clearly by sending his only son to give us new life and salvation. And we can know what godly love is, is only through looking at Jesus, who was an atoning sacrifice for our sin. That is, Jesus, in offering himself as a loving sacrifice for our sin, and not holding anything back, demonstrated and proved God's love for us. Sometimes we think only of the cross. We think of God's great love in Jesus Christ. But just his coming and his humbly coming as a baby in a lowly uh, stable and leaving behind all of the glory and the power and the authority which he had, that itself is love. He held nothing back. So then John goes on, since God loved us in sending Jesus to die for our sins, we should love one another with this same kind of love that only God is and only God gives us. God is invisible. We don't see him. But his love shared among us shows that God lives in us and that his love is made complete in us. And hopefully, people will see Jesus in us. We have a friend who many years ago was an international student in the United States. He was from a wealthy family in Saudi Arabia, and he was a Muslim. Before leaving Arabia, he had met an American young woman, and they had become friends, not romantically. So when he came to the United States to go to school, she invited him to go to her college before his school started, and hers had already started, to, uh, to see her college and so on. Well, it was a Christian college in the southeast part of the United States. When he got there, this young Arabian began to notice how kind and loving students were to each other and even strangers. And so he said, well, why is this? Why are you acting like this? And they began to say, it's because of Jesus Christ. He said, oh, I don't want to hear about Jesus. But he kept wondering, 
why they were showing such, such kindness and such love and, some, uh, and, and serving each other and helping each other. He had not noticed that before in his culture and background. And they kept saying it's because of Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And he kept saying, I don't want to hear anything about Jesus. Well, they left that visit, went on with his college. But God planted the seed of his love and his truth in this young Muslim's heart. Until later, he placed his whole trust in this God who made it possible for him to know that kind of love. It was a costly decision for him. He pretty much lost his family, except for, I think, a sister. His father disinherited him and treated him as if he was not living anymore because he had departed from the Muslim faith. Sometimes to love is to give up a lot that is dear. And sometimes it's painful. Later, our friend felt a call from God to become a pastor. He has been a pastor now for many years. He's written books sharing his conversion story and his insights into how Christians might love Muslims into faith in Jesus Christ. But the true and living God made himself known through the love shown by followers of Jesus Christ at this college to this young Muslim. Now, before turning to our next text to find the the Apostle Paul's description of God's love further, we need to look at the background about the Corinthian church. The church, this church had a lot of good things going for it and in it. Those Christians were blessed by many gifts for ministry from the Holy Spirit, but they had a problem. Many of those believers used their spiritual gifts of speaking in strange languages, speaking prophetic words, engaging in healing and other miracles and other gifts, kind of in competition with each other. And some were valued more than others, and some people were valued because they had certain gifts more than others. They showed sinful pride in their gifts, and this caused much division and conflict there. So the Apostle Paul wrote this part of his first letter to them to emphasize that believers can have wonderful spiritual gifts that are given and created to build up and minister to the body of Christ, not create problems. And the key that seemed to be missing in that Corinthian church was godly love. And he said... You can have all these gifts, but it's not worth anything without love. So let's look then at 1 Corinthians 13, 4 to 7. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It does not honor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Well, we can look at that and we can sort of 
talk about it and summarize it in this way. When love, what love is not, love is not envious, not boastful, not proud, not dishonoring of others, not self-seeking, not easily angered, not keeping a record of wrongs, not delighting in evil. And what love is, it is patient and kind. And what love does, it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Well, if we look at the love that we've known, human love, love of family, love of parents, love of children, and we see evidences of some of these things, but certainly it's a mixed bag because some of these things are missing. Some of it is not a true reflection of God's love. Let's look at them one at a time. Love is not envious. It is content, not desiring someone or something more. Our American culture now seems to be built on discontent with what we have and a desire for more and more. Not being satisfied, not being content. It is being envious of those with more. More privilege, more power, more control, more money, whatever. Love is not that way. Love is content. And it is not boastful or proud. Humility is a rare thing to be found in many people in groups today. Sometimes it's hard to even find in churches. But if godly love is found there, there is no boasting except in what Jesus has done. No self-centered pride that calls attention to ourselves. And if, in fact, God does wonderful things through our lives, then the challenge is to give him the credit and not take it for ourselves. He is the one through whom these things can happen. And then it's not dishonoring of others. So much of what we hear is critical, focusing on faults and not the good in people. Right now we're in the middle of a very negative political campaign in which the faults of the opponent are, are spread out and we don't hear the good things, we hear the critical things. And some people live that way and everyone they look at, they look at critically and everything that happens they look at critically. Love does not dishonor others. It builds up and does not tear down. It speaks the truth always in love but it tends to encourage and not to criticize. Love is not self-seeking. Where there is grasping and effort to receive only and not to give, love is lacking. And where the focus is on oneself as the center of everything, love is lacking because of not, no concern or little concern for other people around. It's not easily angered. I don't get easily angered. Sometimes I get angry, but not very often. But some people have a very short fuse. If you have love, the kind of love God is talking about, the kind of God love he is and that he gives, you have a very long fuse, not a short one. So when you're frustrated, when some need or desire is blocked, or when stress or grief or abuse comes, you don't retaliate. You patiently Wait on the Lord. 
and you answer anger with love and care. Not keeping a record of wrongs. Oh, man. We say we forgive, don't we? But then whenever we see a person and so forth, we kind of tick off in our minds, oh, yeah, this is the, the person that did this. This is the, th- this is the thing they did. This is when it was. This is what happened. This is what they said. This is how it hurt. That's a pretty complete record. Now, you know, they, they say for, you, you need to forgive and forget. You can't always forget, but you don't have to dwell on it. You don't have to keep that record fresh in your mind. You can forgive and ask the Lord not to have you dwell on it. Dwell on it. Love, uh, godly love, does not Keep that, those gross details about the offense in front of you. And it can cover a multitude of sins. First Peter 4.8 says, love covers a multitude of sins. Well, what on earth can he mean by that? It's not ignoring or excusing the sins, but forgiving them and encouraging righteousness. Genesis 9.18 continues the story of Noah after the flood. Noah planted a vineyard, drank some of the wine, and became drunk. And he lay naked in his tent which was a disgrace. Ham, one of his sons, came in and saw his father naked, then left and told his two brothers about it. But these other two brothers of Noah, Shem and Japheth, took a garment, laid it across their shoulders, and walked backward into the tent to Noah and covered his nakedness without looking upon his nakedness. In doing so, they showed love and honor for their father. Even though her father had sinned was a problem. They covered it and didn't look upon it as their brother had. And their loving action then brought them a blessing because they had done this. Well, spiritually, love can cover the sin in this way. Love does not delight in evil. When people make a joke about sin make light of it, seeming to enjoy it when they see or experience evil, there's no love there. Love is lacking. So what, what is love? Love is patient. Love waits patiently. It does not seek or demand instant gratification. It's never hurried in a hurry to make an important decision or to do something without careful consideration or checking it out with the Lord or how it will affect people because of love. Teens are told true love waits until you have intimate relationships. If love seems to say, no, we have to have each other now, we can't wait, that's not love. That's lust or something else. And love is kind. It thinks of ways to show kindness and helpfulness to other people. And what love does, it rejoices with the truth, even when truth is disturbing or concerning or difficult. It still rejoices with the truth and avoids the false. It always protects. It always trusts. It hopes. It perseveres. It hopes in God and his loving purpose always, even though the person that we love may be disappointing us or may be going in ways that we don't like. But we have hope because we know that God is able to turn that around. God is able to change anybody. 
in any situation. We have two daughters. Many of you have met our daughter, Ruth Ann, from Chicago, who visits here with her husband and sons frequently. Our other daughter, Debbie, died of systemic lupus at the age of 25 and is now with Jesus. Debbie was a very rebellious teenager. In high school, we set a curfew for her to be in with the car she was borrowing from us, uh, which was out with her friends. She had to be in by a certain time. So she did bring the car back by that time, usually, or a few minutes later. She would go into her room, lock the door, climb out the window, and go back out with her friends. Margaret and I were deeply troubled about her and her choices, but, her, but we still loved her. But after one day after we were chasing her all over the neighborhood unsuccessfully, trying to find out where she was or what she was doing, I said to Margaret, you know, I don't feel any love for her anymore. I am sick and tired of her rebellion. My love for our wayward daughter was not sufficient. It was not persevering. It was not God's love, which is what I needed. It was my love, and that wasn't enough. That God, uh, what God's love, uh, God is, God's love is what Debbie needed. It is what I needed for myself and to give to her. Margaret had God's love. She did not give up on our daughter. She continued to pray and to lovingly pursue her, even after I had sort of given up on her. Until a few years later, our prodigal came home to us and to Jesus before the end of her earthly life, for which we are very thankful to God. Love perseveres. God's love never gives up. God never gives up. Once in an attempt to trap Jesus, some religious leaders asked him, what is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on all these two, on these two commandments. Well, of course, then there came a, a point at which they were saying, well, who's the neighbor? And he told the story of the Good Samaritan who had reached across ethnic and racial lines and religious lines to help a poor man that had fallen under robbers. So it is that we are commanded to love God on our neighbor. Now, this is interesting. This is not commanding us to feel in a certain way. It's commanding us to act in a certain way. It's an appeal not to our emotion. It is appeal, an appeal to our will, our will to decide. When we decide to love with godly love, we could experience a variety of different emotions. For example, we could love one, and when they're taken away, we experience the emotion of grief. When one we have loved and cared for has been taken away from us by death or any other way. We can experience frustration and concern with a wayward child beyond our control that we must turn over to the Lord in prayer and love and hope. 
We can experience love, but with joy and wonder when we have seen God working for the good of one we love. So there's a variety of emotions we can experience, but love is a decision and not just a feeling. There are some other scriptures that can give added truth about godly love. John 14, 9 to 13 says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. And my command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And then John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, keep my commands. Well, to love means to obey, to obey the Lord. One of our grandsons, one of Ruth Ann's boys, is having a hard time getting a connection between loving his parents and obeying them. After grossly disobeying a clear word from his mom, he will snuggle up to her and say, I love you, mommy, which really means since I love you, don't punish me for not obeying you. But love for God or God-given authorities like parents means obeying. Disobedience shows a lack of love. And then in John 13, 35, by this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Genuine disciples of Jesus more and more display Jesus' character, love, faith, and obedience in their lives. Many who call themselves born-again Christians fail to show this and are not true disciples, at least not channels for God's special love. Well, here's a challenge to think about. Sometimes God may allow into our lives the opportunity to show his extreme, powerful, and tough love, love that's really hard to decide to give like parents giving godly discipline and correction to their kids, even though they love them, they still need to do that. Like the Let's Roll team on the terrorist-controlled flight a number of years ago. Or like those first responders who went down with the collapsing Twin Towers in 9-11. Or like those we've called heroes who stopped a gunman shooting randomly at students in a classroom or like parents who covered their children from flying debris and exposing their own bodies to a tornado's destructive power, risking their own life so that their children might live. And like foster parents who love and care for children who otherwise would be with par- without parents or home. Or like parents of special kids, Down syndrome kids, autistic, others with great disabling problems, and still loving them, caring for them. As our world becomes more violent, more evil in coming years, we need to be ready when God calls us to show his extreme, unreasonable, supernatural love, all for his glory. So what have we seen in this fresh look at love, God's kind of love? Well, to sum up, love is not for our own pleasure or gratification or control, but rather it is to seek the best, the welfare, and the highest good for those we love. Love is a decision of our will, not just an emotion or feeling that can come and go. Love shows the character of God and of Jesus Christ. Love comes from and is sustained by a close life walk with the Lord through worship, praise, prayer, and obedient living. 
Love does not depend on a loving response from those loved. We can love without getting love back. Love is not deserved or earned. It is graciously given. We love the Lord by obeying him. We love because God first loved us through giving his son, our Lord Jesus, to suffer and die on the cross of Calvary for your sin and for mine. And true love costs us something of value to us that we must give up. And God uses our love for one another to show the world those who are true followers of Jesus, to draw unbelievers to himself, to trust in Jesus and receive salvation and eternal life. So do you need to grow in loving with this kind of godly love? I know that I do. And I need your help and you need my help. And that's why the Lord has put us together in his family, the church, to grow in our love for Jesus, for each other, and for everyone the Lord allows to come into our life. Together, let's worship our Lord Jesus, obey and serve him, study and live out his word, and love with his love because he first loved us. I'd like to close with the words of one of my favorite hymns. This was a, a, an older hymn that was included in the movie The Chariots of Fire a number of years ago, the story of Eric Liddell, who was an Olympic runner and who later died in China as a missionary, giving his life for the love of Jesus. Here are the words. O love of God, how strong and true, eternal and yet ever new, uncomprehended and unbought, beyond all knowledge and all thought. O love of God, how deep and great, far deeper than man's deepest hate, self-fed, self-kindled like the light, changeless, eternal, infinite. O heavenly love, how precious still in days of weariness and ill, in nights of pain and helplessness, to heal, to comfort, and to bless. O wide-embracing, wondrous love, we read you in the sky above, we read you in the earth below, in seas that swell and streams that flow. But we read you best in him who came to bear for us the cross of shame, sent by the Father from on high, our life to live our, and the earth to die. We read your power to bless and save, e'en in the darkness of the grave. Still more in resurrection light, we read the fullness of your might. O love of God, our shield and stay, through all the perils of our way, eternal love in you we rest, forever safe, forever blessed. We will exalt you, God and King, and we will ever praise your name. We will extol you every day and evermore. Your praise proclaim. Let's pray. Dear Father, we are amazed and humbled by your great love for us. Help us more and more to become channels of your special love as we come closer and closer to you. And may others experience the sacrificial and healing love of Jesus through our lives so that we all will obey you and worship you in spirit and in truth as you desire. We pray in Jesus' marvelous name. Amen. Now, Dan, if you'll come and sing another favorite hymn, When I Survey.